Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Genesis 30 and 31. Let's go ahead and pray. Ask God to bless the time. Father God, thank you for this morning. And we do pray as we move into this new week that you would use your word to guide us, to strengthen us, to be our food. What gives us the energy, God, spiritually to keep fighting the battle, to keep resting at the same time at your feet, and being, Father, part of the fellowship, enjoying one another's presence online or physically so that we can encourage one another to do good works in you to do those things which are glorifying to you. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 30, the sons of Jacob. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister and she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's Anger burned against Rachel, and she said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? She said, Here is my maid, Bilhah, go into her, that she may bear on my knees, that through her I may have children. So I gave him her maid, Bilhah, as a wife, and Jacob went into her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has vindicated me and has indeed heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore she named him Dan. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, With mighty wrestling I have wrestled with my sister and have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid Zilpha and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's maid Zilpha bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, How fortunate! So she named him Gad. Leah's maid Zilpha bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, Happy am I, for women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Now in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. And she said to her, is it a small matter that you take my husband? And would you take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, therefore, he may lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, then Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come into me for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. God gave heed to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband. So she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again and bore a sixth 
son to Jacob, and Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. She named him Zebulun. Afterward, she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord give me another son. Verse 25. Now it came about when Rachel had borne Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place, to my own country. Give me my wives and my children of whom I have served you and let me depart. For you yourself know my service which I have rendered you. But Laban said to him, If it now pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. He continued, Name me your wage, and I will give it. But he said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your cattle have fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased to a multitude. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? And he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again pasture and keep your flock. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later. When you come concerning my wages, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and the black among the lambs, if found with me, will be considered stolen. Laban said, Good, let it be according to your word. So he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, every one with white in it, and all the black ones among the sheep, and gave them into the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white strips in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. And he set the rods, which he had peeled in front of the flocks, in the gutters, even in the watering troughs, where the flock came to drink. And they mated when they came to drink, so that the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated the lambs, and made the flocks face towards the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. And he put his own herd apart, and did not put them with Laban's flock. Moreover, whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in their sight of the flock in the gutters, so that they might mate by the rods. But when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger were Jacob's. So the man became exceedingly prosperous, and had large flocks, and female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Chapter 31, verse 1. Now, Jacob heard 
the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what belonged to our father, he has made all this wealth. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your father and to your relatives, and I will bless you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field and said to them, I see your father's attitude, that it is not friendly towards me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the stripes shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth striped. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. And it came about that the time when the flock were mating, that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and spotted. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and molted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah said to him, Do we still have any portion of inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has also entirely consumed our purchase price. Surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then, do whatever God has said to you. Then Jacob arose, put his children and his wives upon camels, and he drove away all the livestock and all his property which he had gathered, his acquired livestock which he had gathered in Padam Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear the flock, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's, and Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling them that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face towards the hill country of Gilead. Verse 22. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. God came to Laban, the Aramean, in a dream, of the night and said to him, be careful that you do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. Laban caught up with Jacob, but Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country and Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me? And why did you not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs with timbrel and with lyre, and did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm, 
But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful you do not speak either good or bad to Jacob. Now you have indeed gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob replied to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. The one with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two midwives. But he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle. And she sat on them. And Laban felt through all the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her, Let my Lord not be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of a woman is upon me. So he searched, but did not find household idols. Then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob said to Laban, What is my transgression? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I have been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn from the beasts I did not bring to you, I bore the loss myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was, by day the heat consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father and the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and my toil of my hands, so he rendered judgment last night. Verse 43, Then Laban replied to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters, or to their children whom they have borne. So now come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Then Jacob took a stone, set it up as a pillar. Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Now Laban called it Jegar, Shehudutha, but Jacob called it Galid. Jacob said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day, therefore it was named Galid. And Mizpah, for he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one from another. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, See, God is witness between you and me. Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness. 
that I will not pass by this heap to you for harm, and you will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Naor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to a meal. And they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. Early in the morning, Laban arose, kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned to his place. I'm sure he kind of returned in peace as well. But he was frustrated. And what was he frustrated about? Well, turns out one of the main things he was frustrated about was he stole his household gods. The worship of multi-gods was so common back then that he could have Yahweh speak to him in a dream directly and still want his own gods back. This is something that's always amazed me. How many times have these people had a real experience with God? This was probably the only time in Laban's life, and yet he still wants his household gods back. And of course he thinks that uh, Jacob's taken everything away from him when Jacob didn't take anything away. And of course, had no idea it was Rachel that took the household gods. Why did Rachel take the household gods? So honest is the Bible. You would have never known anything about Rachel's kind of hidden heart of um, idolatry. If, if this wasn't included, she seems to be like Sarah, just so completely godly. And... It doesn't appear that she took it to help her father. Well, you know, dad's an idolater. I'll give him his God. I uh, know it just seems that she had that same, she grew up in that household and it was a common thing to have your household gods. And again, if one God is good, two gods is better. So yeah, we serve Jacob's God, Yahweh, but we also have these other gods. And it's uh, it's an interesting tale. The whole the whole thing of how the nation of Israel began, we're seeing how God uses frail human beings to accomplish His purpose. Abraham walked by faith. Isaac walked by faith. You see how Isaac laid himself down on the altar. How Isaac trusted God, provided for him for his wife, and and these amazing acts of obedience and faith that Abraham and Isaac had. Now, Isaac has a son in Jacob, and he is completely different in one sense. We see so much of his life is not really walking in faith. It's kind of walking by his own design. He, I mean, in the, initially, then he has that experience with God on the way to Laban. And he seems to have had an encounter with God, a real encounter with God, which transformed him quite a bit and he starts walking in integrity and he starts kind of walking like his father and his grandfather but he has a wife now who's not there so it's always a journey it's always a process spiritual development and it's encouraging for us because most of us can't say that we when we got saved we were just godly and holy and we didn't make some bad mistakes 
and we see that God allows us the spiritual growth to to come into a, a deeper walk with him and we have to have, we have to be busted at times our idolatry has to be has to come out in the open and um, God is going to deal with Rachel on this issue but anyway it's encouraging to me I guess it's the whole story is encouraging to me because the Messiah is going to come from the, the 12 tribes and as messed up as these people were God continued to work with them so if he can continue to work with them continue to work with us January 24th Charles Spurgeon titled Care of Our Feet He will keep the feet of his saints for Samuel 2.9 the way is slippery and our feet are feeble, but the Lord will keep our feet. If we give ourselves up by obedient faith to be his holy ones, he will himself be our guardian. Not only will he charge his angels to keep us, but he himself will preserve our goings. He will keep our feet from falling so that we do not defile our garments, wound our souls, and cause the enemy to blaspheme. He will keep our feet from wandering so that we do not go into paths of error or ways of folly or courses of the world's custom. He will keep our feet from swelling through weariness or blistering because of the roughness and length of the way. He will keep our feet from wandering. Our shoes shall be iron and brass so that even though we tread on the edge of the sword, or on the deadly serpents we shall not bleed or be poisoned. He will also pluck our feet out of the net. We shall not be entangled by the deceit of our malicious and crafty foes. With such a promise as this, let us run without weariness and walk without fear. He who keeps our feet will do it effectually. Father God, thank you for that beautiful insight and encouragement and promise on how you keep our feet. You keep us going in our walk. You promise to protect us, to be the God of our salvation and the God who, who fights for us. We are blessed. We, we understand, Father, in a deeper way all the time of the magnitude of your love for us and how you have a power over our life to stand up for us in difficult circumstances. So we thank you for that. And we recognize, Father, there is great need right now in the world for you to be standing up for the believer and that you be shotting our feet. We say the word to, with the gospel of peace that, God, you would help us walk with the protection that you give us, but let our feet be that which bring people the good news. So thank you for blessing us. Thank you for the stay and thank you for those that are um, pressing on in the midst of difficult trials and difficult circumstances. There's been a number of people that have been diagnosed with cancer, Father, and we, um, we want to lift them up to you. There's no greater distraction to one's life and focus than when they find out they've got a battle, a new battle and the physical on that front. So we want to pray for those that have been diagnosed and that you, God, would be that, that strength in their life. You would be their healer. 
and you would be the God who fights for them. So God, we uh, pray for those who are having to go through tests and retest that those tests would come back with the right results, God. That they would find lower levels of the infectious cells, Father, that they would find healing in the body and that there would be an encouraging diagnosis, Father. We pray for this. We know that you do heal and you are healing and you have healed many people of this disease. So, Father, I pray for uh, steadfastness and that those, everyone involved in these, in the, around the person that has been diagnosed, God, that you would encourage them as well to be in prayer, to be a support. Thank you for the support structure we have of our families. Then the time that we can spend every morning here praying one for another. Been some people as well that have contracted COVID that are not feeling well right now. And we are going to pray, God, that this is the classic new strain, which is just a bad, bad cold. And pray, God, that you would help them recover quickly and have those antibodies. And we want to thank you, God, that by your sovereign design, we believe, God, that you are transforming something that was very horrible and taking many lives to something that is now going to strengthen our immune systems. So we thank you that the governments are waking up to a lot of their mistakes. Some of them are now reversing course on uh, preventing the right medicine getting to people and, and some of the other mandates. Thank you for that, God. That's an answer to our prayers. We pray for Esti, God, that she would be able to get back to Italy. They would reverse their laws there because so many missionaries have been affected by these mandates. So many missionaries want to go back into the field but find that they cannot. So, Father, we ask that you would go before them and help them discern your will in these very difficult and trying times. And we pray that you'd help as you feel good. We believe, God, she's feeling better, but just help her come back to full health as well. So thank you for all that you've been doing, God. Thank you for blessing us as we come together every single morning. And we just want to continue to lift up your name and lift up the weak, the people that just need your strength. And thank you for the, the times that we can spend together encouraging one another. God, we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. God bless you guys. We will see you again tomorrow. God bless. Keep looking up. Bye-bye. Good morning. It's January 30th. I'm your host, Bill, and this is our first Sunday where we are going to be bringing you manna for breakfast so we can do it seven days a week together. So thank you for joining us. Today we are in Genesis chapter 42 and 43. Father God, guide us and direct us. Thank you for our time together. And God, help us as well on this day to just worship you through the whole day. Feed us, God, our manna, but also God, give us just that sense of your presence throughout the day. Thank you for those of us that have the privilege to go and worship corporately. We pray for those that cannot, those that are in prison, those that do not have access, Father, or their health is preventing them. Father, bless them this day as well and help us, God, to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the fellowship through this medium, through the Internet, but also through our friends 
any believers that we can come together and worship you. So thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Chapter 42. Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, and Jacob said to his sons, Why are you staring at one another? He said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. Then ten brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, I am afraid that harm may befall him. So the sons of Israel came to buy grain among those who were coming, for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the ruler over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, Where have you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them and said to them, Are you spies? Have you come to look at the undefended parts of our land? Then they said to him, No, no, my lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men, your servants are not spies. Yet he said to them, No, but you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. But they said, Your servants are twelve brothers in all, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no longer alive. Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you will be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you that he may get your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you. But if not, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison for three days. Now Joseph said to them on the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined in your prison. But as for the rest of you, Go, carry grain for the famine of your households, and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words may be verified, and you will not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, Truly we are guilty concerning our brother, because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. Therefore this distress has come upon us. Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not tell you? Do not sin against the boy, and you would not listen. Now, now comes the reckoning for his blood. They did not know, however, that Joseph understood, for there was an interpreter between them. He turned away from them and wept, and when he returned to them, he spoke to them. He took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to restore every man's money to his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. 
and thus it was done for them. So they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed from there. Verse 27. As one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money. And behold, it was in the mouth of his sack. Then he said to his brothers, My money has been returned, and behold, it is even in my sack. And their hearts sank. And they turned trembling one to another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? Simeon is held hostage. When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man of the land spoke harshly with us and took us for spies from the country. But we said to him, We are honest men. We are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no longer alive, and the youngest is with our father today in the land of Canaan. The man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households and go, but bring your youngest brother to me that I may know that you are not spies but honest men. I will give your brother to you and you may trade in the land. Now it came about as they were emptying their sacks that behold, Every man's bundle of money was in his sack, and when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were dismayed. Their father Jacob said to them, Have you bereaved me of my children? Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and would you take Benjamin? All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, You may put my two sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my care, and I will return him to you. But Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. Chapter 43. Now the famine was severe in the land, and it came about when they had finished eating the grain which they had bought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. Judah spoke to him, however, saying, The man solemnly warned us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You will not see my face unless your brother is with you. Then Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had another brother? But they said, the man questioned us particularly about us and our relatives, saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we answered his questions. Could we possibly know that he would say, bring your brother down? Judah said to his father Israel, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, we as well as you and our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. You may hold me responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame before you forever. For if we had not delayed, surely by now we could have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a present. 
a little balm, a little honey, aromatic gum, and myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money in your hand, and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of the sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also, and arise, return to the man. And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man, so that he will release to you your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Verse 15. So the men took this present, and they took double the money in their hand, and Benjamin. So the men took this present, and they took double the money in their hand, and Benjamin, then arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. Verse 16. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house steward, Bring the men into my house and slay an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. So the man did as Joseph said and brought the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house, and they said, Is it because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we are being brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for slaves with our donkeys? So they came near to Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house and said, O my Lord, we indeed came down the first time to buy food, and it came about when we came to the lodging place that we opened our sacks, and behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full. So we have brought it back in our hand. We have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food, and we do not know who put our money in our sacks. And he said, Be at ease, do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave their donkeys fodder. So they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they had heard that they were to eat a meal there. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present which was in their hand and bowed to the ground before him. Then he asked them about their welfare, and he said, Is your old father well, of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. As he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he said, Is this your youngest brother, of whom you spoke to me? And he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph hurried out and was deeply stirred over his brother. And he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out. And he controlled himself and said, Serve the meal. So they served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is loathsome to the Egyptians. Now they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. He took portions to them from his own table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. So they feasted and drank freely with him. And we'll stop there for a minute and look at this amazing story. 
the brothers going down to Egypt and encountering Joseph. The whole thing was a setup by God for demonstration of his majesty and his power over the world, that he was actually going to bring a savior into the world that would save people from certain death. Joseph becomes this this model who's going to be mistreated by the world, rejected by his own family, his own people, suffer greatly, but then bring about a great deliverance. So we have a lot of parallels between Joseph and Jesus. And Joseph here is heartbroken when he sees his brothers, but he understands. They don't know who he is, and he sees an opportunity for a great object lesson. Now, maybe, maybe there was just a little bit of the flesh there because he leaves them in prison for three days, all of them, and just to let him stew a little bit and probably made him feel a little better. I was in prison for years. See how you guys like it. And then, of course, they go back and allowed to go back. Joseph softens up, gives their food, gives them food, gives them money, gives them everything. But then they don't... <laughs> The dad, Jacob, doesn't want to come. Doesn't, doesn't want them to go back. Doesn't want to bring Benjamin. It was not a good reflection on Jacob's priorities and the way he valued his sons. He valued Benjamin much more than he did Simeon. It's going to let Simeon rot to death, I guess. But anyway, they do go back, and here we see the completion of the prophecy, the completion of the dream. Their sheaves bowing down to his sheaf. They bow down to the ground in homage to Joseph. Amazing how accurate the prophecies are in the Bible, and Joseph remembered the dream. And now, can you imagine, after all these years, he's finally thinking, so that's why all of this suffering had to happen. That's why I endured so much hardship. You were bringing all this to a head so I could save my people, my land. I could save countless millions of people from certain famine and death. Quite astounding. Well, let's move now into Matthew. Matthew chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry and he... He and his companions, how they entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Departing from there, he went into the synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him? And he said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable, then, is a man than a sheep? So then, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? 
Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him, and he healed them all. And he warned them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out, until he leads justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man, who was blind and mute, was brought to Jesus, and he healed him, so that the mute man spoke and saw, and all the crowds were amazed and were saying, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? Verse 30. He who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you, that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. But by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 41. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater 
then Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through the waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of the man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards the disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. So much to talk about in these chapters with Jesus in his ministry confronting the Pharisees and then also ministering amongst the people. The takeaway for sure for the Pharisees was that he was trying to get them to realize that they were the ones that were operating with an evil spirit. They were the ones really more in league with Satan than they were accusing him of. And they were the ones that were going to be judged by their words. They did not realize that someone greater than Jonah had come, someone greater than Moses had come, someone greater than Solomon had come. He was the king of kings. He was the prophet of prophets. He was the Lord of lords. And, and he gives us this incredible prophecy about his death, burial, and resurrection. We get an understanding of the whole point of Jonah when he connects himself to Jonah being the belly of the great sea monster and says, I will be in the belly three days and three nights. What was the sign? Resurrection. Evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He says, no sign will be given. No sign that would be given that they would, I guess, not be able to connect to Satan, Beelzebub. As Jews, they could, I guess try and connect healings to Beelzebub. But resurrection, they recognized that Satan had no power to give life. That was something only God could do for the Jewish, for the rabbi, for the that mindset. And so that was the sign that he was going to give. He would die. He would be in the belly of the earth. He would rise up on the third day. And that is the only sign that matters we delight in the healings we take glory in the fact that he loved people enough that he touched them the blind and the mute that he could touch them and, and heal them completely he does it on the sabbath again constantly constantly showing these religious ritualistic people that he is lord over the sabbath that the sabbath was made for man and so we are supposed to take from that the re religious ritual services which are so prevalent in so many churches, so many places, they themselves are not what we're supposed to bow down to, we're supposed to bow at the feet of Jesus. 
We're to have relationship, follow him on a daily basis. And too many people look to the service and the ritualistic and the priest and the robes and the incense and all of these things to somehow be the sacrificial offering that will make them better or right with God. And Jesus is saying, it's, it's none of that. Come to me as you are. Let me touch you. Let me heal you. What a beautiful, beautiful um, demonstration of his love for mankind when he healed that person because we are all lame. We are all blind and we're all deaf spiritually. We are helpless unless the hand of the Savior comes and touches us. Well, that's it for this morning. Use the rest of today just to ponder these things, worship the Lord. I think on Sunday we'll just end it with the word so as it should be as we shall continue to lift him, lift him up. And thank you guys for for being a part of this as the community grows. And um, be in prayer for this program, but also for what's going on in your church. And be a part of your church wherever you are going. Be serving there. Be active. And let the word of God strengthen you. And let it guide you in all that you do. So Father God, thank you for this time we spend with you. We give it to you. We ask that God you would Fill us to overflowing with your word that it would flow out of us, God, into the lives of others. Touch those that are hurting. Use your word, God, for healing, to bring people into right relationship with you and to bring them out of this idea of ritualism. So, God, we give the rest of this day to you and we serve you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. We will see you tomorrow at the same time. God bless you all. Bye-bye.